You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey, what's up? My name is Sean Seguin. I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge Community Church. Uh, We're so thankful that you were able to join us today. We're continuing in our Acts series. Last week, we started Acts chapter 6, and we're going to be continuing that this week. I'm going to go ahead and dive in with a word of prayer. Uh, there's a lot of heavy stuff that we will be talking about today, and so I just, I just want us to prepare our hearts to receive uh, conviction and encouragement and, and be ready to be moved forward. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word, uh, that it, it challenges us and convicts us. I pray that we would be humble enough to receive from you uh, and be willing to, to change where we need to change, that we would make the changes that you call us to change. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for many, uh, right now, Facebook has become this uh, visible uh, battleground div- uh, that is dividing Christians. Masks versus the no-mask group, uh, Republicans versus Democrats, or even systemic racism versus individual responsibility. And those who disagree with you, uh, though, they're, they're not your enemy. Uh, you have a real enemy that is out to kill, steal, and destroy, who wants to divide and conquer. And if you talk more about uh, who should be president uh, than who is king, or if you talk more about the perceived uh, lack of health or the health of our country, more about that than the beauty and the values of the kingdom of God, or if you call out enemies of America or even America as an enemy more than you denounce the enemy of the kingdom. You are more focused on patriotism or movements than the gospel. There is a spiritual war raging, and we need to do what Paul tells us to do, fix our eyes on things that are unseen. Yes, you you need to stand up for justice and for freedom, but you need to remember that these are kingdom values and that there is a a way that the kingdom of God views these things, that no particular group is going to get just right we have to understand that we have to have these values shaped by God and His Word. And so uh, it, it can be tempting to, to, to lean towards one group or another, but to understand that in each group there may be some truth uh, on these issues, but in each group there's also going to be some falsehoods, and we need to lean into God's Word for the real truth that exists. Um, and when we go ahead and proclaim those kingdom truths and those kingdom values, we need to do it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. These are also kingdom values, and so if we're not doing it in that way, we're doing it wrong. Uh, we're, we're enemies of the kingdom in that way. But remember that, that uh, as if you desire, decide to vote, which we should vote, we should vote with our conscience, but remember that the president isn't king, and, and your ultimate allegiance belongs to Jesus If in the midst of all these debates, Christians stop uh, loving one another, the enemy is one. But also in the midst of all the debates and all the information coming out, uh, you may feel a sense of like, I don't know where to stand on this side or this side. I don't know which group to hold allegiance to or something like that. And the reality is that your allegiance is not to one of those groups, but your, your allegiance is to Jesus. And because your allegiance is to Jesus, you do need to take a stand. You need to take a stand for what is right and what is true and what is good. And I'm not necessarily talking about taking a stand on Facebook or whatever. I'm not saying you need to use your social media to do that. I'm saying you do need to be taking a stand. That, that will look 
like, uh, you know, actually living out the kingdom of God, actually proclaiming the truth, actually uh, praying for things that, that uh, praying against the enemy and the work that he's doing. I, I think this is, this is what we typically struggle with. But as we do, we should, be, we should pray, we should read the Bible, we should follow God's spirit, but also do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. These are things that we're called to do. But doing nothing uh, while the enemy attacks is not an option. That is just as destructive as, as treating people with opposing views as the enemy. There's a real battle raging. Make sure your eyes are fixed on Jesus. But this spiritual battle has been going on since the beginning. It's been going on forever. And here in our text, the veil is pulled back. At first, it might just look like this, this angry mob with two different pe two people from different ideologies or two, two different groups against one another. But what you realize, especially by the end, is that there is a spiritual battle going on. And that's the battle that's been going on throughout all of Acts as the church is growing. Um, and so... Uh, God is working, we're seeing in this, in this, in this chapter, God is working uh, and the enemy is opposing God and, and God is vindicating himself. We're seeing this like spiritual battle taking place. And these are my three points for today. God is working, the enemy is, is opposing God, and, and uh, God vindicates himself. And we see these in these different sections. We're going to dive into Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, uh, to look and see how God is working. Uh, Acts 6, verse 8. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, uh, from some members of the Freedmen's Synagogue, composed of both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and uh, Asia, and they began to argue with Stephen. But they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking." Stephen was one of the, the deacons that was chosen uh, last week uh, that we saw in, in the beginning of chapter 6. He's one, of the, he's one of the deacons that's chosen. And if you only had that section, you might think, oh, deacons are these guys who like, kind of just serve. You know, they, they're servants. They just do like serving tables or something like that, wait tables or something. Uh, but when you get this chapter, you begin to realize, no, like, these are men full of the Holy Spirit, as it was mentioned before, but like, full of power. And they're out and doing something with what God has given them. Stephen is actively proclaiming God's kingdom and, and actively walking in the signs and wonders and miracles and, and preaching with boldness. And as was mentioned last week, Stephen was a Hellenistic Jew, uh, one of those that may have been viewed as, as less Jewish uh, and, and therefore given him like, uh, you know, maybe viewed differently in people's eyes who were more fully Jewish uh, because he had, he, had more in, he had been more influenced by Greek culture than, than the Jewish culture. Uh, they may feel that way or whatever, but this move towards diversity when they began to change that system up, the move towards di diversity that we saw uh, is shown to have God's approval because we have Stephen here doing what the apostles are doing. We had the beginnings um, where, where uh, the apostles are out there doing miracles and preaching and all that. Now we see Stephen doing all the same things. The Holy Spirit has empowered him. You know, to do these things. He, he's, he's got the, the, the signs and wonders. He's, you know, power check. You know, he's got the, the, uh, the preaching of boldness check. He's got it all. Um, and the reality is that all of us who are believers are filled with the Holy Spirit and are expected to, to participate in God's kingdom advancement as well. And as the church, we believe that God is, is, is still at work uh, in the same way today. Signs and wonders and spirit-empowered preaching are still our calling uh, as we are going forward. 
We have the Holy Spirit and have been transformed by that Spirit uh, for the very purpose of being God's witnesses. Be bold and proclaim the truth. Proclaim the gospel. The gospel that Jesus died to forgive us of our sins. He left the sins and, and death in the grave as he rose victorious over them. He ascended into heaven and is sit, seated on the throne as king, advancing his kingdom through his church. This is the, the, the good news and the gospel that, that Stephen is a part of, that we are called to be a part of, and why we have the Holy Spirit in us to be able to continue that and move that forward, with, to be used by God to move that forward. Let us live this out. This is why we have the Spirit. But have you ever met a person with, with a degree that they are not using? I, I know, I'm sure all of us have, like that's pretty typical. Actually, a lot of people get degrees and don't use them at all, right? Um, but it's particularly true in actually in the, the world of the, in the academic world in PhDs, among PhDs. There's actually a running joke uh, that I, I heard that in New York, there are more PhDs driving cabs than are in the university. Like there's this reality that first of all, it's hard enough uh, to get to land the jobs that you need and to publish as much as you need to do and it takes as long as it does. It's a lot of work. Uh, but second of all, some people just are so burnt out by the process that they just don't want to do it anymore. And so there's this, this reality that there are these, this group of people who have this insane amount of knowledge. They're authorities on a particular small little bit of knowledge, this little subject here. They're authorities on it and could make a huge difference with the knowledge that they have but aren't able to do anything with it. And you and I have the cure for the world with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. You represent a kingdom and a greater ruler uh, than any kingdom on this earth. You have been baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, to live your faith and allegiance to Jesus and to help others and call them to faith and allegiance to Jesus and to give the world a foretaste of God's kingdom. Why would you not use this gift? Stephen is, is fighting the good fight but not in his own power or to build his own kingdom. Uh, he is actually doing things uh, to care for others. The signs and wonders that he's doing, he's out there and caring for others and, and, and taking care of people around him. He's leading others to a, health, a, a life of, of abundance and goodness. He's doing it for others. He was, he was, and the other thing is he's full of power, but he's also full of grace, the text says. He's full of grace and power. And we need to do something uh, with what we have been given. Walk in the grace and the power that God has, been, has given you. Don't stand back and do nothing. God did not only do this great work in and through Stephen, though he wants to do it in and through you. And as we will see, when God works through us, when, when we actually stand for kingdom values, we should be prepared for persecution. A biblical view of justice or freedom or whatever will always have things that, that, that offend one side or the other. It'll have things that one side or the other loves, as I mentioned earlier, but it will also have things that both sides will be frustrated with. See, this, there will always be opposition to, to biblical views of these things. And, and the important thing is that we remain as spirit-filled people, not just people of power who can proclaim the truth, but people of grace as well, who can do it with gentleness and love and not be mean-spirited or combative or, uh, or, or whatever, but stand in truth and love. And this is less about telling the world what we are against and more about showing the world what the kingdom of God is like, doing something with the grace and the power that has been given to you. This is what we are called to.
And so it may look like Stephen is doing these things, but as we see, it is not Stephen, it is the Holy Spirit working through him. And so this is where the spiritual begins, because as we see God uh, starts, as God starts working, the enemy starts opposing, verses 11 through 14. The enemy is opposing God. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, so they came, seized him, and took him to the Sanhedrin. They also presented false witnesses who said, This man never stops talking about uh, speaking against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. What happened to, to Jesus is happening to Stephen. It should sound very familiar, and, and we'll look at this in a second. It should sound very familiar. Uh, the, Luke wants you to see, hey, uh, the same kind of thing that's happening here, the same kind of enemy that is against Jesus is also against and working, at, working to destroy the movement through Stephen here. We see that in, in, in Mark 14, verses 55 through 57, this a very similar description of, of a very similar courtroom experience. It says this, uh, The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they could not find any. For many were uh, giving false testimony against him, and the testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, stating, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another not made by hands. Look how similar these things are. The same enemy that was attempting to destroy uh, Jesus uh, is also now attempting to destroy Stephen. He, the enemy does not want the work of God to move forward. And he has the same old tactics over and over and over. Uh, but it's interesting that in, in our text here, in this situation, it's the synagogue called the Freedmen's Synagogue who instigate everything. The Freedmen, were, they, they were people who were formerly slaves who had earned uh, their freedom. This, that's who they were. And so these were people who apparently, you know, were Jews who would come together in a synagogue that were of a similar social status and uh, people who understood what it felt like to, be, to, to gain freedom. But it's really interesting if you look at the Greek translation of verse 9, um, there's an extra word in there. Um, it could be the word, it, they were called the, the Freedmen Synagogue. But actually, uh, I love the translation notes in the NET Bible. It, it says it, the so-called uh, Freedmen Synagogue. There's a, a reality that, that Luke seems to be hinting at like this. That they, they call them, they're supposedly the, the Freedmen Synagogue, but they don't seem to be people who offer freedom to others. And this translation is confirmed in the irony that is involved. Um, this place, this was a place that had the appearance of freedom. Uh, those were, who were part of it had been, uh, been freed, but now they're imprisoning and be, uh, attempting to imprison, beat, and kill those with opposing views. So they may have been a synagogue of freedom, but that synagogue didn't offer freedom. Also, there's the irony that this is a synagogue. It's supposed to be a place of worship. And instead of worshiping the Messiah, they find, you find them persecuting those who proclaim the Messiah. It may have been uh, you know, labeled a synagogue, but the, this act of oppression and persecution is antithetical to true worship. 
And this is what the enemy does. He, he takes something good and he twists it. Anywhere he can insert his, his claws, he will. Uh, the enemy is terrified of this new Jesus movement because God's kingdom is crushing the darkness. And this has been the case for the last three chapters in Acts. The enemy tried to stop what God was doing uh, when Peter and John were arrested and, and, and tried and then whipped, you know, beaten and then sent off. Uh, but God, uh, God rescues them and sets them free. Uh, the enemy tries to stop what God's doing through a broken uh, system, you know, and uh, th- th- when, as we saw last week, we see these bro- this broken system where there, there's a, a distribution that's unfair, and God fixes that through giving wisdom to the leaders of the church. Actually, a few, a few chapters back, it, there was Ananias and Sapphira that we talked about, uh, actually, yeah, several weeks back, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira, who, who these individuals were threatening the, the work of God. But it's not these individuals, it's actually Satan at work in their hearts, as we saw. And God rescues the church over and over again. As Satan tries to bring uh, destruction, God rescues and heals. And now the enemy is trying to stop what God is doing through lies, just like he did with Jesus. And, and we know that God uses Jesus' death for the birth of the church. And guess what? He's going to use Stephen's persecution for the growth of the church. Now, keep in mind that, that when they're faced with opposition, they don't take up arms and fight. They pray, they preach the word of God with boldness, and they demonstrate the kingdom through signs and wonders and through their transformed lives. Because the reality is that, as Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Did, did you catch that? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood with this stuff. We're not wrestling with the material world with another person. There is a spiritual battle going on. We wrestle with with the powers of darkness who try to use these things. The enemy is not uh, some political party or some movement. In fact, your enemy is is in the middle of COVID. It may feel at times the your enemy is your spouse or or maybe your child or whatever. And you can feel that sense of, of frustration building or your enemy is your coworker or your boss or whatever. And you have a real enemy that is attempting to destroy you. And when you become hateful and when you become combative to those around you, the enemy is winning. He wants to destroy your relationships. And when you join a side other than God's kingdom, you can work with other sides, but if you're not doing it for the purpose of serving God's kingdom, you, you miss the point um, and you begin to, to put your party above, uh, above kingdom values or you put your group above kingdom values. And when it comes to parenting, I think about this, I, I can grow frustrated with the, the attitudes or the lies or, or my youngest hitting and scratching sometimes and over and over and over. And I can understand uh, like wanting to just smash that. My, my child is not my enemy, though. I could utterly destroy my, child's, my children's spirit. You know, I could c- completely destroy that. And, and God wants to cultivate their hearts. They are not my enemy, even when they are like out to, to make me, when they really want to make me angry. Like, they are not the enemy. And the same thing with my spouse. My wife is not the enemy. When we get into an argument, just because we disagree about something doesn't mean she's my enemy. And the same thing when you're on Facebook and someone comes to attack, they are not your enemy. There is an enemy that wants to divide and conquer, and he will use whatever means possible to do that, to, to pit you against someone else. If we respond with the truth in love and gentleness, the enemy will lose. 
sometimes it may feel like you're losing because it, it seems like that with, with Stephen, actually. It seems like he's losing, especially by the next chapter. But in the end, it is a win for the kingdom. In the end, it's a win for the kingdom. If you understand this, you realize that you can, can let Jesus fight on your behalf. Love your neighbor, pray uh, for your perceived enemies, and, and approach all disagreements with truth and love and in gentleness and with self-control. If you do this, you get to watch God win in your life, in your relationships, uh, even in your, perceived, your relationships with your perceived enemies. To be clear, winning doesn't always uh, feel like a personal win. Oftentimes, it's, it's only a, king, uh, a win for the kingdom while, you, while we sacrifice ourselves. This is exactly what happened to Jesus, and this is what we will see happen to Stephen next week. But as God works and the enemy opposes, God still vindicates himself. That's our last point. God is vindicating himself. Verse 15, And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. After all these lies are spewed out, these guys look intently at Stephen. They want to look, they want to understand, is this guy guilty or not? They're wanting to know how he's going to respond, uh, and, and they're, they're curious how it's going to go. And so they're, but as they're looking, they're also looking for this, this guilt inside of him. And as they look for guilt, they actually find that the veil is pulled back and they begin to see something, or at least we find out that they see something, uh, this, this spiritual battle that really is taking place. Just a little peek into this, that his face begins to look like the face of a messenger from heaven. We don't know exactly what this, this means, uh, but it definitely seems like an echo of Moses' face shining when he comes down from the mountain. It's pretty common to speak of angels' faces as shining or bright or glowing or whatever, uh, and, uh, and it, it seems to be about the proximity that they have to God, who is light and goodness and, and holiness. Uh, in the same way, there was you know, Moses who had that proximity to God on the mountain. There's also Jesus who transfigures on the mountain. So this like proximity to God uh, should be recognized as, as something that, that brings us light. And they, they should see this. And but what's crazy is that, is that this echo of Moses' glowing face should, should open their eyes. This is a, a chance to help them to see something's off about their accusations. They're not opposing, uh, they're not opposing humans. They're opposing God. But the whole time that they're speaking this, the whole time they're accusing him of speaking this blasphemy against Moses, they are oppressing and going after a person who is a prophet much like Moses. This is the picture that, that Luke is painting. And in the midst of this trial, God's grace is still abundantly clear. They get this like second chance. They get to see something with their own eyes that is rather miraculous. But if his words and actions weren't enough, now, now look at him. He's transforming into a flippant angel, you know what I mean? Um, and, and even when we oppose God, it's interesting to see that God continues to go after us, to give us chance after chance after chance. He works to open our hearts up. He wants us to see the truth and to be changed. He calls us all to repentance. 
Um, there is this uh, magazine that was put out a long time ago, it's, uh, but it's, it's called The Voice of the Martyrs. You may have heard of it. Um, they released this story back in 2017 uh, about an ISIS fighter named Fadi who was recruiting uh, Muslims uh, to fight for the terrorist group. When several people at the refugee camp told him about this Christian uh, evangelist named Abraham uh, who was converting Muslims to Christianity, Fadi was like really angry, he was infuriated, and, and this guy decides he's going to go and personally kill Abraham himself. When Fadi comes uh, to talk with Abraham, he walks towards his home, and Abraham felt God saying to him, speak to Fadi strongly and directly, uh, and, uh, and don't be afraid. And as Abraham began to speak the words that God had put on his heart, Fadi, uh, Fadi began shaking uncontrollably. Uh, and, and he said, I want salvation. There's this strange occurrence that happens. And Abraham told him, Jesus will forgive you of your sins. And right then, Fadi just begins to weep. He just begins to weep. And that was the day that this ISIS fighter became a Christian. And since then, he has, he has led his, his wife to the Lord and, and many others. He's also, he continues to go and proclaim the good news. The story is just one example how, how one man's uh, view where he thinks he's serving God needs to be corrected and it is corrected by a right view of Jesus. As one's view of, of Jesus becomes clearer, uh, they are able to more, a, more uh, rightly distinguish between allegiance to a group or, or allegiance to, true allegiance to God. See, these men in, in this courtroom, this, this uh, Sanhedrin, they think they're doing the will of God. But it's because they have held more tightly to their group's ideologies and to their group's values than to God's. They don't see Jesus clearly because they are too blinded by their own personal allegiances. God is giving them a chance to see that Jesus is where their allegiance should lie by sending a preacher who's going to preach Jesus and then who looks like a messenger from the heavens. How might God want to make your vision of Jesus clearer? What allegiances, what values, um, uh, what pictures, uh, what things you hold on to tightly uh, that may be an incorrect view that's not really aligned with God's values. Man, what a, when we have wrong views, we participate in the, the enemy of, as enemies of God's kingdom. And the Sanhedrin wants a, this group of men uh, who loved Yahweh, he wants them to actually be changed. He's going after their hearts. They, they thought they were doing the right thing, though, and, and here they get this clearer picture of Jesus. They should have understood that they missed it. They, they missed the Messiah, and, and they should have desired him, but they, they missed it. So God opens their eyes, but, but they don't humble themselves. Isn't that true of us, though, sometimes, when, when our own personal things that we hold on to tightly don't line up with kingdom values. We struggle with it. 
Sometimes we can be the, the, the people who hold too tightly to those things and we, we don't want to let them go even when the, the scripture sheds light on something and we go, no, 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 that can't be real. That can't be true. This, is, this, has, this has to be true because we've held on to, to human ideologies, human groups, human allegiances. And in that, we have missed uh, the opportunity to tr- allow God to speak into our hearts and change us, utterly change us. Not everyone responds with that, that repentance, you know. Um, but as we see in our passage today, God is at work while the enemy opposes him, and, and God is vindicating himself the whole, through this. If the Sanhedrin didn't know where to stand, they should know now. Now, I hope uh, that you see the spiritual battle a little bit more clearly. That, that when you look at this text, you're not just seeing humans angry with one another, but you're actually getting a, a picture of God at work and the enemy at work and God revealing himself. And I hope that you see the importance of God working in and through you to proclaim his kingdom above every other ideology or political party or whatever. I hope that you see that the way we enter the current climate can be a work of Satan if, we, if our view of Jesus is not clear or if we have, uh, have a clear view of Jesus but we do nothing with it. We can't, we can't not choose, we can't just say, oh, I'm not going to be involved because I don't know where to go. The scripture tells you what values to hold, gives you values that you can take with you. You can, you can, as you receive the Holy Spirit, you have him dwelling in you, giving you direction to go. Go and do something. Be witnesses in the kingdom. I'm going to close with these three applications. First of all, pick one kingdom value this week and fight for it. Do something, whether it's in prayer or, or in uh, signing a, posi- uh, a, a petition or whatever it is that you feel called to do, whether it's preaching or sharing the gospel or so- with somebody, do something with that kingdom value. Speak the truth about it and live it out. This should be something that the kingdom is for. We're not t- I'm not talking here about like, go and tell people what's wrong with all of their ideologies and values. Go and proclaim the good news. Now, uh, Facebook and Instagram may not be the place to do that uh, for you. I would encourage you to pray about it before you post anything like that on, on Facebook or Instagram. Be bold. Be willing to do that if, if that's what you feel called to do. Uh, but, make, but I don't want anybody to feel like this is the only, that's not the only way to do it. In fact, there, the real battle that rages, as I mentioned earlier, happens. That it's won through prayer, through preaching the word of God, through, through fasting, through, uh, through actually doing something with what God has given you. So um, that may be posting something on Facebook or something like that, but uh, that is not what I'm talking about right now. Um, so first of all, pick one kingdom value uh, this week and fight for it. Second of all, if there are relationships that have been harmed because of the current cultural climate, go and make amends. Forgive, love, heal that relationship. You have a real enemy that is actually working to destroy you and separate relationships. Don't allow him to destroy us in, in, this, in this, uh, day, in this time where it, it, it would be very easy to be divided. And then lastly, pray for God to give you a clearer revelation of Jesus this week. We can all be like the Freedmen's Synagogue and, and accidentally have such a firm allegiance to a side or an ideology or a whatever party or whatever group. And in doing that, 
um, actually be opposing God's kingdom. Have, pray for a clearer revelation of Jesus, uh, of Jesus this week. Pick a kingdom value and fight for it. Uh, um, build, uh, heal those relationships and pray for God to give you a clearer revelation of Jesus this week. I'm going to go ahead and pray and close this out. Father, thank you so much for your word that challenges us in the midst of, of a real spiritual battle that's going on. Um, help us to serve and love you above all others, to not fear any human, uh, but also to approach everything with boldness and grace, that we would have love uh, pouring out of us above all else. We love you, God, and we thank you. Uh, move us into action this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 